you'd be amazed how, well, maybe you wouldn't, how easy it is to network when you're honest, you're being yourself, when you're authentic for your mission. Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. December 10th, 2013 might have just been a normal day for you, but not for Carrie Accardi, a filmmaker and activist from New York who began a journey with a mission to educate the world about cannabis and help change the laws. If I didn't highlight passion at the forefront of this introduction, then you would have accused me of being asleep at the wheel during our conversation. You want to talk about inspired and driven? Well, let me tell you this, nobody is getting in Carrie's way. From the depths of personal loss, Carrie Accardi, the CEO of 420 Media, found from within a superhuman desire to serve others. Her company is dedicated to helping the cannabis industry get the quote-unquote educated word out. We delve into what cannabis is, why it's illegal. She gives us a crash course on CBD and some of the biggest challenges she's facing today. We also discuss how her relationships have been critical to the movement, who has helped her, her rule of thumb on getting back to people, and how she facilitates introductions. I strive to bring you guests with passion and zeal. Well, Carrie's devotion and deep belief of her calling, I promise you, is on a whole other level. I challenge you to listen to Carrie's story and not be moved deeply. Plus, come away with an enlightenment on one of today's most controversial socio-political topics, cannabis. So, grab a handkerchief and get ready to listen to my conversation with Carrie Accardi. Enjoy. I am so appreciative for you just being such a good sport and just going on the fly. So thank you. I like it. Yeah, good. So have you done one of these? You have? You haven't? I've done radio shows before. Uh-huh. What about video? Because you're in video. I'm a trained actress. Gotcha. But I haven't. I mean, I've stood up on stages before and I've been on interviews. But I really, when I came into this space. I really wanted to be behind the camera. And so I've documented my whole journey on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So I'll have videos and different things like that from personal. And I've by default in filming, by filming reality, I see my craziness and stuff directing. (laughs) So, but we got to get this stuff out there. Yeah. And for those who don't know what this stuff is, so what's your mission? To educate the world about cannabis. What is it about cannabis that you're trying to educate? Everything. Most importantly, it is how beneficial it is for our bodies, how beneficial it is for our minds, the fact that we have receptors for this plant, and I believe could help not only the opioid epidemic, but also free spirit moving forward. I've seen so many things with this plant. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's from a personal experience. I grew up around alcohol, so I used it for a long time and didn't understand because I would smoke a joint and go run five miles. And so people were comparing it to cannabis and I had bad stomach issues. And I again, I would smoke and I felt better. At the time, I didn't know it was medicine. Now I know it's medicine. And so everyone should know it's medicine because we've been lied to. The bottom line is we really have been lied to the whole time. It was used in our medicines prior to prohibition. It was made illegal over hemp. The war on drugs have killed and harmed so many people, let alone what pharmaceuticals are doing. I don't know. I think cannabis can help the economy right now. I am watching the industry flourish. I'm watching people passionate, excited to go to work, even when they're like 12 hours in. So for me, it was personal. It was a mission after losing my Aunt Kathy. So it was super personal. Do you mind sharing that story? Yeah, no, that's my story, really. I left New York December 10th, 2013 on a mission to educate the world about cannabis. My aunt had died on October 2nd, and she was initially diagnosed with cancer, but I really don't believe she died from cancer. I believe she died from fear. I believe she died from propaganda. I believe she died from doctors telling her, you can eat whatever you want when you can't eat whatever you want with no effect. And so in the journey of trying to get her to use cannabis oil, and at that time, I mean, this was five years ago, so I didn't know you can 
go to a store and get it. I tried to make it. Anyway, Was she open to it at the time or? It was interesting. She was open in her mental, but she was scared. She was scared she was going to lose money, right? What if the job found out or health insurance or what people would think? I mean, anything you can imagine. But at the same time, she said, I'm not scared of the plant. Her mother, she used to bring her mother when her mother was sick with cancer. I don't know. It was, I come from a really big family and I know that when you have aunts and uncles that are all supporting chemo and supporting treatment because that's what they know and it's just what they know. It was a hard battle getting them to listen, but towards the end when she did go into the hospital, so she went through this surgery and ended up going into the hospital. She was there for two weeks and in that time, she had a lip sore on her lip that she couldn't get rid of and she was puking nonstop for days. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing cannabis. And I finally got my uncle to watch. At that time, it was a Rick Simpson film, which catapulted into him saying to my aunt, she should try it. She's really going out. And I put it out to the universe truly and everyone I knew trying to get this medicine. And I did. I got it. And I got it on this awesome day. It was September 19th. I lived eight blocks from the hospital. I went to see if the package was there. I came in literally as a priest was walking out, giving her her last rites, got the package. And at the same time, Paul Simon was coming to visit my aunt that day in the hospital. Wow. So that's a really cool side story that you can't not share in this. And so he came in and I'll show you video after he came in and he sang Julio in America. And my cousin Shannon sang for him while my uncle played the guitar. And he took my Aunt Kathy around the hospital floor, walking her. He spent about two hours. And it's a generous amount of time. It's oh, a nice my God. Event. The most unbelievable soul beyond the amazing talent that he is. Who he is and who he was that day, I could cry. It's something I'll never forget. And it's a testament to how important my aunt was, not only to myself, but everyone in our family, because how that happened was we didn't know Paul Simon, but Aunt Kathy loved Paul Simon. So my one cousin, Courtney, wrote a letter to him telling him how much she loves him and how much we love her and we would love him to see her. And then she shared it on social media and then we started all sharing it. So thousands of us, hundreds of tweets coming after and then my cousin Kimmy, a few days later, took the letter to, I think it was Sony at the time, and got it to his assistant, who then in turn called us and came. Where does he live? I think he's in Connecticut. Gotcha. I believe he's in Connecticut. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was a really amazing story. And it was the same day that we got this oil. So this is like a really big day. Unfortunately, my aunt had decided to go to hospice the next day. So after Paul was there and stuff, we let her sleep for a little bit. And then two of my cousins and I went back. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And we gave her her first dose of cannabis oil. And the next day, her lip sore was almost completely gone. And she never threw up again till her death, which was October 2nd. And so it was working. But she was in hospice. And when you go to hospice, you go to die. And so they don't feed you and they don't take care of you. And so in a state at that time that wasn't legal at all, New York, kicking my family, you know, 15 and 20 people out at a time and spraying incense and stuff like that. <laughs> so we can give her oil. It was a really big deal. It was a really traumatizing time. And it was something that's changed the trajectory of my life. And I knew it then. And it was like this power came through me. It was almost like it wasn't me. It was God, higher power, whatever someone believes. But I knew what I was saying was right. I knew cannabis could have helped her at minimum go out with dignity. At best, she could have been sitting here. And we all die. So it wasn't about death. It was the way it was handled, right? It was the way the doctors were basically laughing at me. It was the way I would... A nurse was giving her sugar water when sugar expands cancer. And when doctors or nurses are saying, food, your diet doesn't matter. When diet's all that matters for any of us, for any of us, food is thy medicine. So cannabis is food, right? You can eat it. And that's the things like 
people don't know is like you can literally go off and eat a leaf and that's feeding our receptors just goodness and since the journey started while well, it started with Aunt Kathy it's just expanding and expanding and expanding to you know it's exciting to wake up even after you work 15 hours a day and want to do it again and that's the power of cannabis I believe not only for myself but I believe a lot of other in the industry and for years and decades the people that have been pioneering this and patients that have been using this and science that have been changing this on a molecular level to have customized, you know, I know someone that makes customized medicine based on someone's deficiency, based on a database of 20 years of strain to ailment and broken down on molecular levels. That's not this smoking weed and bong hits and acting crazy. This is serious medicine. And so while smoking bong hits is great and I love it, this is a different level. And so that's what I want to share with people. Well, I mean, it's amazing that she had such a dramatic effect on her so quickly. That's just, I know a lot of the stories, I don't know them, that's been that impactful. How did you know, or was this just pure luck, which variant of CBD to get? Because So it's not CBD. So that's a great point. Thank you. So this is a big problem right now, right? The CBD movement is like reefer madness part two. <laughs> okay, good. Educate us. A lot of misinformation out there, okay? That's the whole problem, isn't it? Super problem. So we love CBD and, and CBD is really beneficial for a lot of reasons, but we don't have CBD receptors. We actually have receptors molecularly that fit with THC. And so THC is what comes into our bodies and tells cancer cells, for example, to commit suicide. It's called apoptosis, right? And so we have an endocannabinoid system. And basically that system regulates all of our other systems. And what cannabis does is creates homeostasis, which is balance. We have receptors in our brain and throughout our bodies, but that's not necessarily for CBD. The whole plant is the best route for anyone, in my opinion. CBD is legal-ish across the nation, so it's easier access. But CBD can come from hemp, and it also can come from the cannabis plant. So we're talking different levels of THC, which I think it's 003 over or under, right? That really differentiates marijuana to hemp. It's all being conflated right now. So even though you and I were just talking about cannabis, you chose to use the word CBD. So I'd imagine that's kind of just ingrained because that's what's out right now, very publicly, CBD, CBD. It's great. I love CBD, but it's like taking away a whole other plant and not giving all those other properties, which is there's about, I think, 400 properties in the cannabis plant, CBD being one of them, THC being one of them. We have CBN, CBG, THCA. And so there's all these other beautiful parts of this plant that I can't wait to see come to fruition. But I think we need to be really careful with CBD only laws. They're not helping certain ailments. They're not helping children that need THC, depending on what they're dealing with. We don't give ibuprofen to someone for a broken leg, right? And so I think we have to be really careful and educate. And really, I'm an educator through real educators and experts. And I think that's who we want to listen to. Let's actually talk about that because you talked about your humble opinion. I would say that you do not have a humble opinion. You're probably one of the more informed people out there. This five-year journey has been a major commitment. Like you said, I mean, this is your passion, 15 hours a day. I think you're probably doing more of that and you're doing it seven days a week. You are non-stop. And in your 15 hours is probably equivalent to someone else's <laughs> 20 or 25 from your constant energy. <laughs> so maybe true. talk about a little bit how you were able to get so informed and what you're doing. I mean, I just know just from what I know of you, all the different people that you know and the people that you've talked to, and we're talking the best and the elite in the industry all over the country, all over the world. But I know that everyone who's listening might not. So please edify us. I became obsessive, like super obsessive. So when I started the journey, I was really fortunate enough to know one person in the industry that owned a collective in Northern California. So I started there. And a collective for those who don't know. A collective know. is a dispensary. So that's a place for patients before full legalization where someone with a medical card would go and get their medicine, their cannabis products. Sorry for interrupting you. I just no, want to make sure fantastic. everyone knows that. 
You're right. And so I went there and I learned to grow. I was at a political council meeting my first night in Northern Cali. I met with patients, politicians, pioneers, attorneys. And in January of 14, New York quasi-legalized through executive order. And I called a former colleague and said I was going to start at that time a video production company to showcase the plant for the miracle she is. Did he want to be involved? And he did. So I went to my dad's for a month and I built out the business plan and everything we were going to do. And I went to Oregon on Super Bowl of 14. And I found somebody, my cousin lived there, went there. We're at a Super Bowl party. And you have to remember, I'm like, at this time, I'm like angry, I'm sad, and I'm ecstatic all at the same time because my mind is being blown from what I've learned and it myself in that short time, knowing the people on the East Coast did not have this information, knowing firsthand. And so I found someone at that party that would let me film their dispensary and patients and take photos so we could build our websites and our social media, who's a good friend of mine now. And we just did some work for recently, which is just awesome. We filmed them. He's an MS patient. So got real truth, photos, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. And we built out our media. We built our website, our social media, all that. And in March of 14, we ended up filming the first Seattle weed tour. And we went for it. It's called the MJBA, Marijuana Business Association Meetup. So again, mentors and friends still to this day. And then we had such synergy there, we moved there two weeks later. And that just started this. It, whoever talked to me, I would ask for an introduction. I would ask to go to a meetup. It didn't matter. So back in 14, I was sitting in meetups with growers and people that had dispensary and all these I had no idea really what I was getting into. <laughs> so, so you just essentially immersed yourself? I immersed in myself into this industry and people didn't know what to do. I mean, they didn't know. They still not sure what to do with me. But I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty nice. I'm pretty passionate. I'm very serious about what we're doing. I'm here to help. I was always there to help. And I'm tough. I am a New York chick. So I had no problem telling people to go fuck themselves. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> Let it go, man. Yeah. All so, good. Because it's not an easy industry. And when you're going hanging out with people that have been on the ground and underground for 20 years, they're serious. And I think the universe loves me and I love her. And I was just connected at all times to the right people. And even when it was the wrong people, because I did get screwed up very early on for a lot of money. So that was my first dose of reality in Seattle. From a professional that's still out there now. So it's a very interesting dynamic. And at the same time of having a really like getting harmed in business. And it's kind of scary when you're first starting a business to, you know, have intimidation and things like that. And I connected with the founders of the Seattle Hemp Fest. So I had met them early on and they invited me in for a meeting to potentially do some filming. And so the Seattle Hemp Fest has been around for, they're going on their 27th year, amazing festival, three and a half miles on the water. And when I met Vivian McPeak and I had met Sharon earlier, it was like soulmates. And so 2014, I had nine videographers over three days filming. And we set up an all-girl shoot right behind main stage. And we had five questions laid out. And we pulled people off stage from Gary Johnson to Tina Hendricks to Rick Steves and Vivian McPeak and to Patience. And, you know, had other crews out there in days. And I do have a lot of energy because I love what I'm doing. And we're alive and we're lucky to be alive and do this, right? My aunt's not. That's the interesting thing is like, in this journey, even in the hardest times, and I recently told someone this, and it's hard. It's hard. I would never be here if it wasn't a soul mission. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing? From early on, the industry, trying to tell an industry who's been hiding that they should give us money to take pictures and videos and put them out to the world, to television, doing some bait and switch deals with me, to business associates, it's just being shady, really. To be honest, just being shady people. I think business is really hard sometimes. I think that, you know, it's all fun and games at first when everyone's excited. There's a lot of work entailed. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of money involved. And it's expensive. 
it's time consuming. You don't get to see your family and your friends. I didn't see my family for two and a half years. The first two and a half years, I couldn't see them. I had to stay on this wild mission. It was almost like not having feelings and having these strong feelings. But it's things that like, if I didn't have a reason, it's just easier to go do something else. It's just easier, really. I don't think that now that I've committed and in five years, I'm sure I'm going to be living a different life and that I wouldn't have if I didn't choose this journey. In the hardest of hard times, in the desperate, in the money, in the how are we going to do this, in the bait and switches and all that, I always got this picture in my mind. And I always saw my Aunt Kathy on the hospital bed. And I remember how hard that was. And I think nothing's as hard as that was because I know better. And if I don't do it, who's going to? Right. So it feels like for me, the best way to put it is in my life, my Aunt Kathy gave me everything. And in her death, she gave me purpose. All of a sudden, everything made sense from my love for cannabis to my love for media to having a really big network my whole life and coming from a big family that I wasn't intimidated to network again and take those risks to meet people. Because I think that that's what it was. I always thought, well, I have a really big family and I have one aunt and uncle that had 17 kids and some of them are grandparents now. So, oh uh, I mean, like big my family, goodness, 13 women. Whew. So I'm like, well, if you're not crazier than the craziest and smarter than the smartest, then you're fine. So, hi, I'm Carrie. I'm 420 Media. <laughs> and that's kind of how I did it. You'd be amazed how... Well, maybe you wouldn't. How easy it is to network when you're honest, you're being yourself, when you're authentic for your mission. And the thing is, like, especially now, my company just went up four years a few weeks ago. And I was telling people this five years ago <laughs> when I knew nobody. I remember sitting in California telling a doctor, like, we we're going to launch this network and we were going to do all this stuff. And so you have to imagine how crazy people looked at me then. It's why I like to... I tell people I like to talk now in person or in a Skype face-to-face. -face. I go, I sound crazy on the phone. I sound like I'm just insane. I, I want you to see how crazy I am. Because when you look people in the eyes and you know they're serious or not, and that's the thing is like now it's funny because now all you have to do is really go onto our Instagram or our Twitter or any of those and follow the pictures, follow the videos, follow maybe the blogs on LinkedIn. I mean, even myself is like a wild to see this journey and how it's evolving and how it's not evolving and how some things are still the same or potentially going backwards. There is a great quote. It's so funny. I had actually just sent it to Joe Bondi, maybe even half an hour before you came over. So I think the timing was uh, pretty serendipitous. And, hi, uh, Joe Bondi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hi, Joe. Give Joe a shout out. So I sent him this quote today, and I think you'll really appreciate it. It's, I find it, this is a Bill Murray quote, by okay. the way. He goes, I find it quite ironic that the most dangerous thing about weed is getting caught with it. That's right. I have a gentleman on film. His name is George Monterano. He was in jail for 30 years for nonviolent crime for cannabis. And at the same time, do you know that the government has been sending patients cannabis for the past 40 years, like a tin of joints? This is true. And I can show you her too. There's a woman still alive now, LV Musica who had glaucoma and she was diagnosed. And so she gets, I think it's about 200 joints a month that the government sends to her. How was she the chosen one? Four patients. There was four patients and I don't want to miss. Got it. I understand. I don't want to yeah. misquote anything of how that played out, but there's uh, four patients. Two are still alive right now and I'm blanking. Basically, they got it through for medicine. This probably was... 30 years, 40 years ago. I'll look it up. And, yeah, I'd be and, curious and to know that. We can put it in the show a notes. follow up because it really is important. And I've got LV on, on camera and she's so funny <laughs> and she's cool. And this is real. That's what I mean. Like it's been growing. I mean, they grow it out of Mississippi in the government. And it's not good either. That's yeah, the funny say, thing. I'm, I'm it's, it's not really, yeah, yeah they're, it's they're not growing the wrong kind. It's ignorance. It's such ignorance. And I, money. I, yeah, then money, you're right. That's a yeah, good point. Yeah, because they get farmers in, 
they say stuff about the plant, you know, the plant can't be good naturally, but if we synthesize it and we, <laughs> then it's okay. And that's what they're doing, which is false propaganda. Apologies for interrupting this conversation, especially if you're really enjoying it. I know that I get frustrated when I'm listening to a good podcast, so I'll make it quick. If you're enjoying our podcast, please support us on patreon.com slash networkwise. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. Okay, that was painless. So all you have to do now is help us on Patreon and enjoy the remainder of the show. Okay, so back with LV, I just pulled this up online. It says, in 1976, a federal drug judge ruled that the Food and Drug Administration must provide Robert Randall of Washington, D.C. with marijuana because of his glaucoma. No other drug could effectively combat his condition. Randall became the nation's first legal pot smoker since the drug's prohibition. Eventually, the government created its program as part of a compromise over Russell's care. What followed were a series of petitions from people like Musica to join the program. And basically, that's how that program was started. The other person's name is Irv Rosenfeld. That is also alive right now. And I believe he's out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So these are two patients alive receiving up to 300 joints a month from our lovely government, who it's like them having a patent on cannabis. They have a patent on cannabis for its antioxidants and neuroprotectant properties. This is from, I believe, early 2000s is when it went through. And at the same time, they keep it on a schedule one drug that says there's no medicinal value. So I think the confusion keeps it illegal for the most part. And then what we're doing is fighting state by state, state by state. And then you have countries like Canada that are legalized. And you have countries like Uruguay, Australia, Ireland that are starting to really come in, Colombia. So it's got to mean something. I mean, how else could this plant be around for so long doing this? It's so frustrating on my behalf because I'm not able to articulate as well as you are with the facts, with the names, explaining it. But I try to tell people the, the origin of why it's illegal to help people understand. Let's take it back to here. And this is why it's illegal. People that are staunchly against it, I just say, just do your homework. Just understand why it's illegal and also understand what it can do. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating. So I'm going to use my mother as an example. Sorry, mom, if you happen to be listening. <laughs> but uh, so she had uh, knee surgery. And the knee surgery, she uh, I don't think she really had the best doctor because she did not have a good recovery. I can't remember the oxy. She didn't like the oxys. Mm. She was giving they're really strong. And I was saying, please try the cannabis. And she didn't have a good recovery. She refused to take it. And she went through months of just agony. And I'm not saying cannabis would have cured her, but it definitely oh, would have helped her 100. Without a doubt, it would have helped her. She could have even used a topical cream, just literally non-psychoactive, put it on her body, and that could have helped give her some sense of relief. But it had nothing to do with the psychoactive properties. It was a stigma. It's illegal, and that's that. And it's a shame that that was what formulated the decision to not move forward as opposed to, hey, this could work. And it's illegal based on lies. I mean, really was in our medicines into the 30s of prohibition. A fun fact for you, there was a doctor named James Munch who testified that after two hits on a marijuana cigarette, he saw bats. Impossible. This is true. So while I love to laugh, again, people are dying. They're going to jail. Your mom's not taking a medicine that could have helped her, even though she tried the Oxycontin or Oxycodones. No problem. The doctor said it. So real lies. With that said, the facts are on our side. And so, yeah, that little bit of due diligence, that little bit of research, getting this information out, which is what I'm working on, on doing to the untapped, to those mainstream. Because if you look at the history, a lot of how this information got out was through a movie called Reefer Madness. It was through campaigns that were putting pictures and diagrams and are you referencing William Randolph Hearst? Is that what you're... He's one of them, but Reefer Madness is a film. They worked with Anslinger. I mean, yeah, going back, it's, it was made illegal over hemp. It was over paper and it's over money. So I think 
what I've learned in this journey and why I came into this is no one was ever going to listen to me. My family, my friends, they still don't listen to me. But they listen to media. And it's amazing. When I came up with a name for the company, I knew I had to have the word media in it. It was just what had to be there. And fortunately for me, I looked up 420. It made sense on the date. It was significant. And now I had a media company to start with a name. People listen. They listen now in a different way. Not everyone, but they do listen. And the more it goes out and the more people I get to work with personally that are doctors and experts and pioneers, whether it's in business or medicine, science, people listen and they'll listen to them. So even when I work with doctors or nurses, I tell them, put the white coat on, <laughs> literally, please put the white coat on because I want them to see you in that what they're accustomed to. The doctor telling us this is okay. Authoritative figure. It's a wild ride. It's a wild, crazy world right now. And we're losing perspective. And I think cannabis can give people a better perspective in life and in health. Good. How have the relationships helped you to move your mission along? Network in this space? or yeah, just in the people that you've met. How have they helped and how have they been major contributors? Honestly, I said to someone the other day, I feel so fortunate and humbled because I'm in a place right now that I'm so grateful because people want this to happen. They want me to win. They want this message out. And so I've had help from having the smartest advisors you ever can imagine guide me. I've had people give me their homes to stay in. I've had people share or ask to be involved or ask how they can be involved. People that are listening right now, how can they get involved? What can they do right now to further the mission? What do you need right this second? What we need is people walking the talk, right? Stand in our truth and share the message. What we need is, is 420. What we're engaging in right now is an educational and awareness campaign to air on television. So we're seeking out some sponsors in the space that are looking to be seen on TV, sharing facts about cannabis with their company signage. We're launching series. We're in pre-production for a few more series to educate people. So we want people that are experts to be involved or sponsors to share their business and gain more awareness. It's really important that we align in this mission together to get this information out. And instead of trying to not that you can outdo the other, because I think a healthy competition is wonderful, but you don't want to hurt anyone else or block them out in this space because we're not there yet. We're not legal yet. And Let's get to five years from now and worry about it being competition when it's legal space. So I think like sharing information is really important. People walk in and talk, do the research. Come check out 420media.us is our website. Information about the campaign is hmmdidyouknow.com. That's information for this campaign. And I think doing what you're doing putting this information out through podcasts and aligning with others to get this information out, I think is really important. Who have been some of the biggest helps in terms of uh, spreading your message or even just getting involved in your campaign? I know the list is long. Oh, but it's is so there, great. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, we have multiple series that we've filmed already. So awesome NFL players like Marvin Washington has been phenomenal. Or even Bill Williams, nurse Heather Manis has been great. Julesie Montero. We've had Dr. Sue Sicily on camera, Dr. Sue Neil Agarwal, tons of businesses that have come out and support sharing their stories. And so no matter where people are in this place, there's some level of passion and something that pulls them into this industry because it's not as easy as everyone thinks. And it's not this, everyone's going to make all this money just because you're in the cannabis industry. Like Vivian McPeak, the founder of Seattle Hemp Fest, is going to be doing a voiceover for one of our series about the Seattle Hemp Fest and colleagues. And I've had so many awesome advisors that there's no way in the world I could be in this position without them. I literally have never worked in an office in my life prior to this. All I've known is more on the producing or acting side of things. I've been really lucky. And even in those people that weren't so nice, there's a lot of lessons there. So if you're open to the lessons, 
and you learn them at first, then it's not as daunting if you have to go through those lessons 10 times. Yes. You so know? It's pretty fair to say, though, that you can attribute a good cornerstone of your success to the relationships. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What do you do to foster them? I know you're on a mission and you're hard driven and I'm sure there are things that you'd like to do more of, but how are you staying in touch with people? Is it through the message that you're putting out so people are able more to follow you as opposed to you being proactive with them? Both. There's both. There's the messaging and then there's our personal relationships. So text someone and just say, hey, love you. Thinking about you. Thanks. Yeah, you're, Hope you're, you're a good having responder. a great day. I mean, you and I were going back and forth. I mean, it really, I was impressed. I know how much that you've got on your plate. Yeah, I think it's really important. I'm not perfect. And people do email me and sometimes I do miss them, but there is a respect and we want to work with each other. And I think that just even if we can't get involved with something, just acknowledging, hey, I saw your message and I just want to say thanks for reaching out and thinking about me. Yeah. Do you have a rule of thumb in terms of how long it takes you to get back to somebody? I should be better about it. I need an assistant again. I'm, I'm out of an assistant right <laughs> so now, there we but go. That's I was something... better. I was better. So that's something that she needs. She needs an assistant, guys. So, Carrie, you've got this great reputation. You started this from scratch. You've built an amazing business. You've built this amazing network. You are the super connector in the cannabis space. Is that something that you've always done in terms of just relationships in general? Yes. It, it is. Yes, yeah, totally. I've always been social, I guess, like I was saying earlier. So I'm that person, if you walk past me and look me in the eye, I say hi. <laughs> and so if you say hi to a few people, you ask how they are, all of a sudden those people become your friends or they become your colleagues. So I think that in general, I've always known a lot of people from CEOs to great companies to a homeless guy in my corner I'd bring coffee to daily. And in that space, everyone has all these different jobs and goals and objectives and things in life that I would hear about a friend or somebody else that were just talking about it. And it just seemed like introductions was easy. It is easy. Like you, I feel like just who we know and based on conversations and realizing we have the same network is because we talk to people and we start to exchange information. And when you keep those relationships, you understand people's objectives and what they're doing. And if I happen to know somebody or meet someone that's looking for the same thing you're offering or you're looking for, it only makes sense for me to introduce you. I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. Completely whole. Any theories on why more people don't do more of this? I know exactly now. Yeah. Actually, because they want to make money. And so now people are doing it and they call themselves consultants or they're calling themselves a consultant and charging people for introductions. I didn't even know that this existed until it was brought to my attention, even to points of giving percentages away from companies and some really wild things. Between that and the idea of potentially someone being their competition or that kind of business stuff, I think it gets jammed up. I think it just gets conflated. I know that I have personally introduced people to each other that have been at the same event for years and I giggle and ask them both usually like have you guys do you just not talk to each other and so apparently people just didn't talk to each other for a long time and understandably so right this was an illegal industry this is not something you were sharing and so it's really interesting now to see how people do who introduces who doesn't I am known as a connector for sure and it's only because I know the people that are doing stuff. You took the time to get to know them, to ask the questions, so you had enough information to make the introductions or to put two and two together? I don't know. I think it's like, sometimes it's like that. I mean, I can think of someone just came to my mind completely out of this industry. Years ago, he was starting a vodka company. It was an energy vodka. And I had met him early on. I just recently talked to him on LinkedIn. And I met him as I was a bartender at the time as bartending and I met him and his partner and they were seeking out different venues or they were seeking out people that I knew. And I just said, I would introduce you. I did that with another company that was a technology company and it was guys that were creating them. I don't want to get into it too much, but basically they were creating technology that had to do with restaurants. I knew a lot of people. I connected them. They got big accounts out of that. Sometimes there's 
financial. That one I took a little bit because I started working with them. But generally, if I introduce someone, it's usually because I felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I think you'll appreciate it because it sounded like you were going down this path. But it was just a couple months ago. And this isn't the first time it's happened. It's actually happened to me on multiple occasions. But I found this one pretty funny. So I'm walking back from playing basketball one night with a, a buddy of mine. And he asks me, God, he goes, I really need a good accountant. And I said, well, what about Joe Schmo, the guy that you introduced me to, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago? And I thought that was so funny that here he's like, oh, you're right. That's great. And I was just blown away. It, it never ceases to amaze me how he couldn't even put two and two together in his own network, right, which made right. me think, hmm, all right, so maybe it's not a conscious or a selfish thing when other people don't make the introductions. Yeah, some people, they don't even realize it or they just choose not. There's some people that just don't want to get involved in people's, for whatever reason. I've seen the, the gamut, really. Well, people are hesitant to put their name behind somebody else. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be said. You put in your name. Trust is transferable. So if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to say, hey, Carrie, I think you should speak with my friend Donna because you trust my uh, opinion that you're more likely than not to take your time, the most valuable commodity on this earth, and mm -hmm. have the conversation with Donna. And if Donna blows it, Donna doesn't blow it just for Donna. Donna blows it for me. That's right. That's right. And actually, you brought up a really good point. I do take my reputation seriously. And if I did introduce you to someone or vice versa, and you didn't follow up or act appropriately, that'd be a problem. It would be a problem for me personally, because I am putting myself out there for someone else. And I work hard personally to be a good person, right? Wake up, be, just be a good person and solid. So I think that that's the least someone can do. And with that said, the value is huge because when you give me someone's name, I take that seriously and vice versa. Those are very direct lines of communication, usually on a higher level. In this industry or in life, I kept hearing, oh, your network is your net worth. And I thought, well, if that's the case, I'm loaded. I mean, really loaded because I've always known people. I think it's just really staying true in that energy and having respect for each other. So they continue to pick up the phone and I continue to pick up the phone or you continue because we're doing the right thing. And the people that we bring to the table are, whether it's for a business or a job or just an intro, sometimes I just call people. I say, my instinct is kicking in hard. I have to connect you to. And I don't know what the answer is. I just know I have to connect you to. You figure out what the answer is. Been there and done that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what questions do you have for me? Well, I want to know what your feelings are in, on cannabis and in the cannabis space. And Oh my God, that's such a loaded question. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I will try my darndest <laughs> to uh, encapsulate feelings and thoughts. So first and foremost, it needs to be legal. People just need to be educated. Getting back to what we talked about before, there's just so much ignorance surrounding it. And I think it's really sad. I've never regretted a decision I've made if I've smoked, I cannot say the same about alcohol. I think that's pretty powerful. And you know what? I don't drink. I'm not a drinker and not much at all. A couple of glasses of wine, this and that. it's just not my thing. I've also been surrounded by so many people that drink often and I just see people work so hard to be who they are and they're all allergic. So I see what happens to people. And I think it's just so sad to see people that, like I said, that work so hard to be someone so successful, a couple of drinks, and I just lose all respect for the actions and whether it's their true self or I'm not sure. So alcohol really turns me off in a lot of ways. Um, I understand having a glass or two if people want to get a buzz or just to kind of relax. And that's cool. That's fine. But again, the community of people just we're talking recreationally that smoke, it's for the most part, it's a really great community of people mm -hmm. that are about usually more positive things. Again, I'm generalizing that are in a happier place. I've never seen someone get violent yes. on that. I've never seen somebody. I mean, it's like it's crazy. I mean, that's just one thing. The medicinal values are real. I know a bunch of people that have tried lots of different pharmaceutical medicines that are not only just expensive, but that don't necessarily work. And they also have a lot of reactions to some of these medications. And like you said, we're scratching the surface with what we're learning about now. 
because now it's getting out there where people can start really doing some research, which they couldn't before. And when they start identifying the right variants, meaning what people call strains, and strains not the right terminology, variants are. And if you understand, because everyone's DNA is a little different, but if you know which works for you for whatever your issue might be. So it's important to know, hey, you know, is it a sativa? Sativa, for those who aren't listening, is someone that gives you a high. Indica is something that gives you more of a lower or how would you explain it then? So if you're going to use those terms and some of my colleagues would probably be mad for me even using sativa and indica anymore. I know, I know, I'm sorry. But they're they're (laughs) all... um, that's a cannabis. It's not hemp. So it does have THC. The best way is a sativa. If I want to stay up coffee, it's like coffee. I want to work out. I'm going to work. I just need something to, for whatever reason, it's much more of a stimulant where indica might be something before you're going to sleep. You want to take that. You want to relax. And within the scope of those, you have hybrids. And so it really... What it really comes down to, I think, the most is terpenes and what those terpenes are. And that's why the smell is so important for people because our bodies know better than our minds usually. So I think indica would be more of a chill, want to sleep. I remember one time in in Washington, actually, I went to the store and I got some herb and I bought a few different kinds, not realizing they were all indicas. I was so tired that week. And I thought there was something wrong with me, not realizing that that was the effect. So that's definitely like when people can't sleep, people that are ill, they need to sleep or they need to relax or people that are ill, they need to be active and they need to take their medicine, but they want to be active. So without being an expert in that particular space, I would go energy, sleep more. But it's definitely not just body. Yeah. So the point that I was making is that also that people have that maybe if it is their first time trying it, they might have not had the right experience Absolutely. and, and they're judging it strictly on that experience. And, and again, I'm sorry to keep liking it to alcohol, but that's like, hey, you know, maybe the first time you drank alcohol, you had whiskey. Or Correct. something or and then, oh, that's disgusting or that's what it is or that you know, gave you a headache. So now that's what you've now just lumped. You've generalized, you that's know, right. one experience and it's just not accurate. And, and that's a really good point with legalization, because in legalization, I was recently in a state that wasn't legal and it was really hard for me to not be able to access medicine. It was hard for me to even think about this is the way people live all the time. And it's how I've lived. When you go into a store or a dispensary or shop, whatever it is, you have a variety of different variant strains or products, edibles, tinctures, teas, topical creams. And when you're looking at the flower, which is the flower of the plant is you can get description. There's testing. There's the high low on a CBD ratio to THC. There's certain knowledge out there that there's description based knowledge that people can get to give you an overall view. So it's definitely a different experience when you can go in and speak with a professional and let them know, hey, I'm looking to eat. I'm not been eating a lot. I need a better appetite, right? Or I'm looking to just relax or I'm looking to just take a chill pill, you know, and just there's just different levels. Or when you're dealing with an illness such as cancer and stuff, smoking is the least medicinal. It helps. It helps a lot with nausea, especially, and it helps with appetite. But it's not quite getting into the receptors like an oil-based product would. So I think there's all sorts of parts of this plant that I think would benefit a lot of people. And it's also how it's ingested. Is it smoked? Is it a tea? Is it a tincture? Is it a lotion that's just helping scars or psoriasis or is that that psoriasis? Yeah, psoriasis, the, the skin, skin disease. Skin yeah. disease. Yeah. So there's so many benefits to this plant. I mean, it's just truly a miracle plant. I'm on a podcast right now talking about cannabis. That's a plant that was illegal for years and yet it's semi-legal across these states. I mean, it's a testament to her the cannabis plant of how strong she is to keep fighting through this. I mean, drug wars, jail, death. I mean, life sentences people have gotten. So it is happening, but we have to be really conscious about this happening and how it lays out because otherwise we're just going to go into the reefer madness part two, CBD only laws or this only and that only. And we can't have that. 
And just to go into a, just a really quick point before that you mentioned earlier is there is research. This idea that there's no research is not true. Dr. Raphael Mishulam discovered the THC molecule in Israel. We've been funding Israel. So while it's not legal here for research, we certainly are using taxpayers' money to fund other countries' research for it. So what do we want? That's really what it comes down to. And also like that whole schedule one where it doesn't let you do research. It's just, I don't even understand how this is happening because of the patent compared to schedule one. But Joe Bondi would be able to, to help you there. there you, are, Joe, you know, again. Joe was part of the case. Marvin Washington was part of my little soulmate is part of that. A young little boy named Jagger Cote, his father, Sebastian. So Jagger, I have to show you a picture of him. Jagger is a child with mitochondrial disease. So he can't walk, talk, speak anything. He's basically immobile. And yet cannabis has helped him. And the family had to go to Colorado for it. They're now back in Georgia and they're fighting real. The father's name is Sebastian. He's fighting really hard to help on the legalization end. But these families shouldn't have to up and root themselves to heal their children. It's such a travesty. Absolute travesty. It's criminal. Yeah. I mean, it really is. So listen, it's people like you that's getting the voice out. You're the voice of the people that one day people are going to be looking back and they'll be talking about you in schools. (laughs) I know. Isn't that cool? I think so. I think we're creating, it's history, but I like to call it her story. It's cannabis as a female plant. She's been healing us for thousands of years, really. Mm -hmm. And we are pioneering this industry and we are creating this. This is a time like the closest thing I would say in a business is probably the internet before the internet. I mean, we're getting ready to explode and it's one of the fastest growing industries in the country right now, if not the world. And if we can help heal each other while bringing our economy up, I say, yeah, please. Yes, please. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <I'm in>. please. <laughs> I'm in. I can't thank you enough for not only just being on the show, but impromptuly being on the, on the <laughs> this show. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Listen, we got lucky. This is, We had a great day. This is a lot of fun, a lot of content. I'm going to ask that you come back so we could put the bookend on the story to see where this goes. That would be great. Yeah. I'm excited for your venture. You've got a lot of really good momentum I hope some of the people that are listening follow you. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Okay, great. Um, Are you open to people reaching out to you on LinkedIn or whatever? Yeah, always I'm open. Again, it's grassroots is really effective. No pun intended. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, maybe there was a pun intended. Yeah, or maybe. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing gets by me. All right. So, <laughs> so I think, yeah, please reach out to me. You know, I'm on LinkedIn, Carrie Cardi, company is 420 Media. And yeah, share our stuff. There's a, We have a lot of videos. We have a lot of projects out there. Share if it can help someone that they know to learn a fact or a tidbit about cannabis that might just turn that switch for them to learn more. It is saving people's lives. And it will continue. And I think it's much bigger than anyone really, really understands. So everybody help spread the word. That's right. (laughs) Thanks and make it a great day. Thank you. I'm really glad you made it through the whole show. It tells me that you found it entertaining and enjoyed the content. In the spirit of helping us continue to provide such great content and amazing guests, we appreciate your participation through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Your support really helps. Also, if you or someone you know is looking for a career change, is building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com. Not only does this platform offer you a plethora of resources, but will walk you through how to expedite the outcomes and the aforementioned goals that you seek. Thanks again for listening. Make it a great day. And remember to always networkwise.